Welcome to another episode of PBL Podcast Politics and Brown Liquor. And yes, yes, your host here, E. Vandervliet, is with his trusted canine, Woody. Woody, how are you doing? Woof. That's, you know, about the extent of what you're going to get from Woody. And that woof, in one woof, what it says is that, because Woody's a dog, folks, can't talk, is to go on to our website, pblpodcast.com, subscribe to our YouTube channel, check out all our social media links. We are on Twitter. We are on TikTok. We are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. All those media links, but we spend a lot of time on TikTok and Twitter. So if you want to engage with us, engage with us there. And again, our handle is the pblpodcast.com. And of course, whatever platform you're listening to on right now, please be sure to like, share, and five-star rate if that is the platform you're listening to us to help us move this algorithm up. And I have a special thank you for everybody is last week we, we finished in, the, in this world of podcasts. The weeks are in the middle of the week. The weeks begin and end in the middle of the week. And the PBL podcast last week had its best week ever. And for the last five or six weeks running, actually, maybe longer, we have had our best week ever. We just keep growing the show and it's all because of you, but I still need your help to continue to grow this show. So please, please, please share it with all of your friends. Please move this podcast forward by giving us a five-star rating, like, share, all those things that you see on whatever media platform it is that you're listening to this on. And of course, Help us move it forward with the share, share, share. Again, thank you so much for giving us our best week ever. I mean, it just keeps growing and growing and growing. So this week, you know, this podcast, I've got, I got, you know, there's some wonkiness that I'm going to get into with this particular podcast. We're going to talk about COVID-19 and, and, and at the start of this podcast. And I know this is going to turn off a lot of people because COVID-19 is such a wonky subject right now, and it shouldn't be. It really shouldn't be. But, you know, we're dealing with the virus. We're dealing with all this medical data. Not my forte, I will tell you right there. But there's some information that has come out recently that is kind of starting to question all of the the thought process behind all of this. So I'm going to start with an article from uh, a, a a website called elemental.medium.com. And the headline of this article is a supercomputer analyzed COVID-19 and an interesting new theory has emerged. A closer look at the Brady-Kinnon hypotheses. So let's, let's dive into this. This, I'll be quite honest with you. This, I'm not, I'm not a wonk. I'm just not. I mean, I'm my, my background is, is in leadership. My background is in financial data. I mean, I'm not a medical expert. My wife has way more, way more detailed in this. Now, if you are familiar with the disc, um, communication styles. There are four disc communication styles. There's D for dominant, uh, I for inspirational, S for supportive, and C for conscientious. And those conscientious people have that communication style where they can get into the detail and the data, explain it, understand it. That's not me. I'm a high D. I'm a very, very high D. I, I like it pithy. I like it to the point. I like bullets. I don't like a lot of detail 
But when we're dealing with this pandemic, or sometimes if I call it a scamdemic, you know, you got to get into the detail. So this article from elemental.medium.com, Supercomputer Analyzed COVID-19, and an interesting new theory has emerged, gets into that detail. So I'll try my best. And I'm not very good at this. I'll be the first to tell you. And this, this, by the way, this article will be in my show notes. So if you want to dig into the detail, if you're a high C, go in and look at this. So here's the article. Earlier this summer, the Summit Supercomputer and Oak Ridge National Lab in Tennessee set about crunching data on more than 40,000 genes from 17,000 genetic samples in an effort to better understand COVID-19. Summit is the second fastest computer in the world. But the process, which evolved analyzing 2.5 billion genetic combinations still took more than a week. So they took all this COVID-19 data, crunched it into the second world's fastest computer. So when Summit was done, researchers analyzed the results. It was, in the words of Dr. Daniel Jacobson, lead researcher and chief scientist for computational systems biology at Oak Ridge, a eureka moment. The computer had revealed a new theory about how COVID-19 impacts the body. The Brady-Kinnanen hypothesis hypothesis provides a model that explains many aspects of COVID-19, including some of its most bizarre symptoms. It also suggests 10-plus potential treatments, many of which are already FDA-approved. Jacob's group, Jacobson's group, published their results in a paper in the journal eLife, in early July. So this information has been out since July. Have you heard about it? No, I haven't either. I haven't either until I saw this article. So let me let me go on with this article. Again, it gets it's wonky. I'm I apologize for all you high D's out there, myself included. This is very, very wonky. So according to the team's findings, a COVID-19 infection generally begins when the virus enters the body through AC. E2 receptors in the nose. The receptors, which the virus is known to target, are abundant there. Remember this, in the nose. The virus then proceeds through the body, entering cells in other places where ACE2 is also present. It in, it, it intensifies the intestines, I'm sorry, the intestines, kidney, and heart. This likely accounts for at least some of the disease's cardiac and GI symptoms. Now, off off the article, I have been wondering recently why we are so focused on wearing masks but not wearing hand protection. We are so focused on wearing the mask. Now, here's the thing is I'm not I'm not wonky. And this article flies above my head on several levels because it gets into so much detail and data, but I'm also a very common sense person. So I've been wondering why is it all about wearing masks? and not about wearing hand protection. Well, it's all about wearing masks because this all comes through the nose. If you look at this article and you look at these findings from the second, the world's second fastest supercomputer where they crunched all the data from COVID-19, it looks like through the nose is the biggest receptor of COVID-19. So when you see all these people wearing masks and they're not covering their nose, well, totally ineffective process. If they're not covering the nose, the mask is worthless. Now, again, my opinion, 
Let's go on to the article. But once COVID-19 has established itself in the body, things start to get really interesting. According to Jacobson's group, the data summit analyze shows that COVID-19 isn't content to simply infect cells that already express lots of ACE2 receptors. Instead, it actively hijacks the body's own system, tricking it into unregulating ACE2 receptors in place where they're usually expressed at low or medium levels, including the lungs. So in this sense, COVID-19 is like a burglar who slips into your unlocked second floor window and starts to ransack your house. Once inside, though, they don't just take your stuff. They also throw open all the doors and windows so the accomplices can rush in and help pillage more efficiently. So what it's saying is, if this gets to, into your body, more likely through your nose, it starts breaking down all your systems. Now, again, our website, my website is thepblpodcast at gmail.com. Please email me if this throws, if you don't agree with all this, because I'm, I'm just reading for this, like, I'm not a wonky person, and I'm trying to dive into this article explaining how the COVID-19 kind of infects and ransacks your body. So, you know, I'm going to fast forward a little bit. The end results of researchers, researchers say is to release a Brady Kinnon storm, a massive runaway buildup of Brady Kinnon in your body. According to Brady Kinnon hypotheses, it's this storm that is ultimately responsible for many of COVID-19's deadly effects. Jacobson's team say in their paper that the pathology of COVID-19 is likely the result of bradykinin storms rather than cytokinin, cytokine storms. Sorry if I'm saying that wrong. You wonky people will correct me. Which has been previously identified in COVID-19 patients, but that the two may be intricately linked. Other papers have previously identified Brady Kinnon storms as possible cause of COVID-19's pathologies. So the COVID-19, again, it's like a burglar slips into your unlocked second floor window and starts to ransack your home. Now, what does that mean to you and I, layman people? Well, it just means that this virus, when it gets into your body, it starts looking for all of those deficiencies in your immune system, and it starts wreaking havoc on those. So when you look at the COVID-19 as only um, killing off, and I hate to say it that way, I know that's pretty brutal and kind of morbid, um, less than 1% or less than 2% of the people, it's because 98 point plus, I think it's 98 point, what, 9, 98.9% of the people that survive this are because their immune system fights it back. So... What we need to understand is how is this entering our body? Now, according to this second most fastest supercomputer in the world, through our nose. And you see all these people with these masks that aren't even covering their nose. Now, um, th th again, that means it's an airborne virus, right? We've, we've heard that. We all know that. So if you're not wearing a mask in a, in a place where there are other people and they sneeze or they cough, and you inhale it in your nose, well, then you're more apt to get this virus. But if you're in your car alone or you're walking on the sidewalk alone with nobody around you, why are you wearing a mask? Why? 
Why? All right, so let me go on from the article. As bradykin builds up in the body, it dramatically increases vascular permeability. In short, it makes your blood vessels leaky. This aligns with recent clinical data, which increasingly views COVID-19 primarily as a vascular disease rather than a respiratory one. That is significant. That that's my commentary, by the way. But COVID-19 still has a massive effect on the lungs. A blood, as blood vessels start to leak due to a bradykinin storm, the researchers say the lung can fill with fluid. Immune cells also leak into the lungs, Jacobson's team found, causing inflammation. So this thing really is a bad disease. I'm, I've never not said that. What I have often said is I do believe... <sighs> We've been kind of played. We've been fear-mongered to the nth of this. And, you know, if, if science would have done this early on and given us more of this kind of data, we could have, as Americans, as the world, as humans, better prepared for this. But let me go on from the article. As COVID-19 has another especially insidious trick through another pathway the team's data shows it increases production of hyaluronic i'm very bad with these words hyaluronic acid hla in the lungs hla is often used in soaps and lotions for its ability to absorb more than 1000 times its weight in fluid when it combines with fluid linking into the lungs the results are disastrous it forms a hydrogel which can fill the lungs in some patients according to jacobson once this happens it's likely trying to breathe through jello now this next part is why you don't hear about ventilators anymore. Even though this is a presidential election, there are many more candidates on the ballot besides the president. So go to Ballot Ready for a nonpartisan guide to your entire ballot. From there, you can compare candidates based on the stances on issues, biography, or endorsements, and then save your choice to use when you vote by mail or in the voting booth. You can even request your absentee ballot or make a plan to vote early or on election day. This election matters. So make sure you are ready and you vote and you vote informed. So visit go to ballot.org, enter your address to make sure that you vote and vote informed. This may explain why ventilators have proven less effective in treating advanced COVID-19 than doctors originally expected. Based on experiences with other viruses, it reaches a point where regardless of how much oxygen you pump in, it doesn't matter because the avioli, I know I'm saying that like it's some kind of spread on a sandwich, but it's A-L-V-E-O-L-I, in the lungs are filled with the hydrogel. Jacobson said, the lungs become like a water balloon. Patients can suffocate even while receiving full breathing support. So I'm going to stop here and I want to comment or do a little commentary on what happened in New York with Governor Andrew Cuomo. Remember how he talked about so much about ventilators. We need ventilators. We need ventilators. Here was a politician, and I'm not slamming Andrew Cuomo, by the way. I really am not. I, I, I get where he was coming from. Here was a politician who bought into what the quote unquote air quotes going on, the experts said, and the experts said, put them on ventilators, put them on ventilators. And so Andrew Cuomo was 
apoplectic about putting everybody on ventilators. And it was, I forget the statistic, it was either 80 or 90% of the people who went on ventilators died. So now we see from this result, from entering all the data into this supercomputer, that ventilators were part of the problem. And, you know, this is where I have an issue with buying into what politicians say. And politicians tell you so much. They try to come across as experts. They try to tell you climate change is real. They, they, they try to tell you to listen to the scientists. They glom on to whatever fits their narrative. And that's where we have to always be suspect of what a politician says. Because now we're finding that the ventilators, and this is why you don't hear anything about ventilators anymore, is because it was opposite of what COVID-19 was. It was antithesis to actually helping patients. It was killing them. Ventilators killed patients on COVID-19. So Brandy, back to the article, Brandy Kinnanen, especially at high doses, can lead to a breakdown of the blood-brain barrier. Under normal, normal circumstances, this barrier acts as a filter between your brain and the rest of your circulatory system. It lets in the nutrients and small molecules that the brain needs to function while helping, while keeping out toxins and pathogens and keeping the brain's internal environmental environment tightly regulated. If Brandy Kinnan storms cause the blood-brain barriers to break down, this could allow harmful cells and compounds into the brain, leading to inflammation, inflammation, sorry, potential brain damage, and many of the neurological symptoms COVID-19 patients experience, Jacobson said. It is a reasonable hypothesis that many of the neurological symptoms of COVID-19 could be due to an excess of brandy kinnanin. It has been reported that brandy kinnanin would indeed be likely to increase the permeability of the blood-brain barrier. In addition, similar neurological symptoms have been observed in other diseases that result from an excess of brandy kinnanin. So we know what is happening to the body with COVID-19. Increased brandy kinnanin levels could also account for other common COVID-19 symptoms, ACE inhibitors, a case of drugs, a class of drugs used to treat high blood pressure pressure have a similar effect on the RAS systems of as COVID-19, increasing brandy kinnanin levels. In fact, Jacobson and his team note in their paper that the virus acts pharma uh, pharmacology, uh, God, it's a big word here, pharmacologically as an ACE inhibitor. Sorry about that. Also directly mirroring the effects of these drugs. By acting like a natural ACE inhibitor, COVID-19 may be causing the same effects that hypersensitive patients sometimes get when they take blood pressure lowering drugs. ACE inhibitors are known to cause a dry cough and fatigue to textbook systems symptoms of COVID-19, and they can potentially increase blood potassium levels, which has also been observed in COVID-19 patients. The similarities between AC inhibitor side effects and COVID-19 symptoms strengthen the brandy kinnanin 
hypotheses, the research say. So we've got a lot of data that's coming out and they're starting to understand what this is all about. I mean, I can go on and on. It talks all about this Brandy Kinnan and hypotheses provides a model that contributes to a better understanding of COVID-19, yada, yada, yada. I know I've used that yada a lot in previous uh, podcasts. But here goes, as Johnson and team point out, several drugs target aspect of the RAS and are already FDA, FDA approved to treat other conditions. They could arguably be applied to treating COVID-19 as well. Several like Danazole, Stanozole, and uh, e calentide I'm, I know I'm butchering these names and I apologize. It's not my forte. My wife could tell you what these things are. Verbatim. Uh, reduce brandy kinnanen production and could potentially stop a deadly brandy kinnanen storm. Others like e I don't know what that uh, I C A T I B A N T. Sorry, I'm butchering it. I know. Reduce brandy kinnanen signaling and could blunt its effects once it's already in the body. And from the article, interestingly, Jacobson's team also suggests vitamin D as a potential use for COVID-19 drug. The vitamin is involved in the RAS system and could prove helpful by reducing levels of other com another compound known as REN. Again, this could stop potentially deadly brandykinin storms from forming. The researchers note that vitamin D has already been shown to help those with COVID-19. The vitamin is readily available over the counter and around 20% of the population is deficient. If needed, the vitamin proves effective in reducing the severity of brandykinin storms. It could be an easy, relatively safe way to reduce the severity of the virus. And the article goes on to talk about other things. Here's the last paragraph of the article, which you should always read the last paragraph of every article, by the way. The researchers are quick to point out that the testing of any of these pharmaceutical interventions should be done in well-designed clinical trials. As to the next step in the process, Jacobson is clear. We have to get the message out. His team's findings won't cure COVID-19, but if the treatments it points to pan out in the clinic, interventions guided by the brandy Kinnanen hypotheses could greatly reduce patient suffering and potentially save lives. Have you heard about any of this? No, you haven't, because you, you've got the media and you've got the leftists uh, politicians that are using COVID-19 to wedge this country apart. They want COVID-19 to be uh, a rallying cry for how Trump has completely screwed up and has not taken care of this country. When we have studies out here that prove there are effective treatments of COVID-19, there are things that we can do, but you're not hearing any of this. I mean, why didn't we have this early on? Why didn't we know about this early, early on? It's because the national media, the Democrat politicians, they don't want you to know this. All of this is suppressed. Now, 98 point blank percent, and I'm not sure the exact, so let's just say 98.5% of people survive COVID-19. But we have shut down our economy. We have shut down our businesses. And we have ruined people's lives. Our, our, I mean, businesses have shut down at an alarming rate. People have committed suicide at an alarming rate. 
and we haven't even done these kind of studies. I'm sorry to go into all this wonkiness and take this much time on one article, but it it makes sense. Here, here, look at this. This is from PJ Media. Oh, the horror. Sturgis motorcycle rally. COVID-19 numbers are in, and they are shocking. So there was a big Sturgis motorcycle rally over the weekend, which happens every year. Uh, it's an annual event that takes place from August 7th, uh, 7th to August 16 in South Dakota. Attendance at the rally was was down this year at 462,000. But that was a 7.5% decrease from last year. So obviously people had fear of COVID, didn't attend, but still 462,000 people came in. So here, listen to the data from what happened is they provided free testing to people in Sturgis, right? So the city of Sturgis conducted mass COVID testing for its citizens after welcoming hundreds of thousands of visitors to the 80th annual motorcycle rally. Now this city has announced the results. A total of 650 people took advantage of the free testing with 26 people testing positive. All of them were asymptomatic at the time of testing, meaning they showed no signs, meaning they weren't sick, and meaning none of the other 650 people got sick. Nine, 26 people tested positive and they had asystematic symptoms, meaning they, they weren't sick. We have completely shut down our economy for this. It's maddening. It's maddening. New York Times, this is also from PJ Mediums, headline, New York Times does, the New York Times does accidental journalism on COVID-19 testing. Uh, and here's from the article, occasionally someone who generally wants to inform the public actually publishes at the New York Times. For months, the paper has been a full-throated participant in the COVID-19 panic porn industry with stories ranging with from a rare reaction in children to reinfection in Hong Kong. But here from the article, all of a sudden, reporter Apora Matavili came out with an honest report about COVID-19 testing. While I have been writing about this for a few months, it was shocking to see this level of honesty from the Times. That's from the report. Here's from the Times. Some of the nation's leading public health experts are raising a new concern in the endless debate over coronavirus testing in the United States. The standard tests are diagnosing huge numbers of people who may be carrying relatively insignificant amounts of the virus. That's from the New York Times. From BJ Media, the article is, the article goes on to explain in, in technical detail the oversensitivity of the most common COVID-19 test, the PCR test. This fact was first noted in public by Dr. Beta M. Standler, a Swiss biologist emeritus professor, uh, the former director of the Institute of Immunology at the University of Bern, he noted the PCR test is not indicative of whether the virus par particle found is alive or dead. It, it can also not assess whether the particle found is capable of replicating and causing the infection. So from the New York Times article, so if we do a PCR corona test on an immune person, it is not a virus that is detected, but a small shattered part of the viral genome. The test comes back positive for as long as there are a tiny shattered parts of the virus left. Correct. 
even if the infectious virus are long dead, a corona test can come back positive because the PCR method multiplies even a tiny fraction of the viral genetic material enough to be detected. Did you hear what she just said? Now, this is from PG Media article. Dr. Sunder made these comments in an interview on June 10th. By mid-July, the CDC has updated the guidance regarding retesting. The statement on the site is clear that for at least 90 days after recovery, viral debris can be detected in a patient's airways. This virus is not capable of causing an infection because it is not capable of replication. So we've got uh, we've got a study that's come out. They they put in the coronavirus into the world's second fastest supercomputer, and it comes out saying, "Wait a minute, there's ways to combat this, and it's not what you think it is." And and then you got the New York Times saying pretty much the same thing. Then you got this huge motorcycle rally where there was not much that you know, not many viruses or not many infections that came out of it. People weren't sick. You've got all these protests going on across the country. People aren't getting sick. You've got, you know, the media blasting the Trump administration for Donald Trump's convention speech where all those people were together. We haven't heard from that. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, we've been had. I hate to say this because the virus is real. Don't get me wrong. The virus is real. People are getting sick. People have died. But through common sense practices, we, you, me, can avoid this. And you know what? Most of us, I'm positive, may have already gotten this. I was sick back in February. And it was a weird illness. I was in Disney World in March at the onset of all this. It was packed. And you didn't see a massive outbreak. You should have. I mean, this was Disney World. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of people were there. I was there. I thought maybe because of the pandemic, it wouldn't be busy, but it was packed. And you don't see the outbreak. We've been had, ladies and gentlemen. Common sense. It's a virus. It's real. But common sense gives us many methods to prevent and control this. We'll see you after the break. <laughs> 